You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a community of people seeking to live our lives in the orienting center of God's love in the midst of our post-Christian world, learning to lead like Jesus, live on mission, and make disciples. In nature, gravity is the phenomenon that brings stuff together, objects as small as atoms and quarks, and as large as stars and galaxies. We believe the gravity of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. The Gravity Leadership Podcast is curated conversations on what it looks like to practically orient our lives and our leadership in the love of Christ, the gravity that holds everything together. Hey, friends, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Podcast, podcast. Uh, I'm Ben. And I'm here with Matt. And this Matt has and been Hardman, and I'm I'm calling. No, this isn't Ben Hardman. I try. That's I, not I even realized, how he sounds. I know. I realized anyway. I started talking, and yeah. it doesn't sound at all like this. Is Ben Hardman? And uh... <laughs> Ben Hardman, if you're listening, we're sorry. We're so sorry. Oh gosh. Anyway, uh, I have yeah. no idea how to impersonate him. Yeah, he is a hard guy. He doesn't have a lot of. Uh, hey, hey guys. Ex- that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah is that that's good? pretty good. Yeah. All right, all right. Hey guys, I can't do any more than that. Though. Hey guys, yeah, it's about it. <laughs> hey guys, all right. Um, Matt, you got any Thanksgiving plans? You got any? We're gonna eat. eat. We're gonna get together with my family. Um, so my mom died this year. Yeah, this will be our first Thanksgiving without mom, oh, and wow. we're getting together with uh, my dad and his wife and my two sisters hmm. and all our kids. Okay, uh, we'll do that at my sister's house. Okay, so yeah, it'll be a it'll be a. Uh, it's great. It'll be yeah, fun. For, yeah. But first, first holiday kind of after yeah. losing somebody is a little bit. You just never know how it's going to hit you. Yeah, you know you'll. Yeah, I mean you tend to mark. We tend to mark time and grief with like major seminal moments where you associate those people with those moments. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just sure that my sisters and I will associate. Yeah. Getting together on Thanksgiving with my mom. Yeah, for sure. First time in 43 years that she hasn't been there. Yeah, man. Yeah. Wow. Um, do you have any uh, unique or, or interesting Thanksgiving traditions? I usually make jokes about Black Friday. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's how, 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 long, how long has that tradition been going? <laughs> I don't know. I give me an example. What's a oh, joke gosh, about Black Friday? We're gonna lose listeners if I tell you. Okay, all right. <laughs> 
No, I, I mean, well, uh, maybe we'll put this on the practitioner podcast. There we go. Which is on our Patreon platform. Hey, that's a good that's a good uh, transition. Yes, go ahead, t- so, talk about that. So many of you, we have forty two supporters on Patreon. You guys are so generous and amazing. Um, yeah. If you benefit from this podcast, from the work we do at Gravity with our articles that we write, with the free resources we give um, biweekly on emails, mm-hmm. um, if you feel solidarity. Um, with our vision and what we're doing, mm-hmm. would you consider supporting us on Patreon? Yeah. Um, you can support us for as little as $5 a month just to say thank you, yep. less than what it costs uh, you to watch Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, at $15 a month, you get actual benefit to access to an additional podcast that we're yep. producing. The The last one we released was uh, I shared about one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made in ministry. Yeah. Um, I, Starting a, a series on that. Yeah. I've made a huge mistake. Yeah. But Ben Hardman shared his mistake. Um, yep. He's only made one. Yep. He's only made one. Total. Uh, I haven't made one yet, so well, I'm not going to share. I've got a list. <laughs> oh, okay. This is part of our <laughs> offline conversation later. Anyway, uh, yeah. there's. I think that I've often wanted to hear from people that whose voices I valued. Mm-hmm. Like, tell me about, tell me about you on your worst day. Yeah, yeah. I I always see you on your best day. Right. You know what I mean? There's a presentation um, we give. Yeah. Yeah, and so what? What would it? What? Tell me about your worst day, right. and tell me about how that fits into your life. And so we want to mm. give access to that. It's a little weird to do that here, although I just did it in this intro talking about jokes <laughs> I'm making to my sister on Thanksgiving, which yes. isn't my best day, yeah. uh, by the way, if you didn't know. But uh, there, there right. is, you know, goading my loved ones into a fight on Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's one of the fruit of the spirit. I yeah, I'm pretty sure it's in there. It's Galatians <laughs> seven. Seven. Yeah. Um, that reminds yes. me of an anecdote. Can I tell you? This is going on really long, but there's. Yes, I was at a church once, mm-hmm. and this this pastor was like, uh, "I told you all last week to read Joshua chapter thirty one because mm. we are going to start a series on honesty and truth telling." So, how many of you read that chapter? Let's see them. Let's see the hands. Oh, no. How many read that chapter? People raised their hands. Oh no! And then he was like, <laughs> he didn't say this, but it was essentially, "Boom, roasted." There is no Joshua thirty one. <laughs> Like it was this juke of like yeah. shaming people in the moment for yeah. not being honest and truth telling because he duped them into lying. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't see the irony. Yes. Nor do I see the irony talking about. It. It's fascinating. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, the Patreon platform. Yes. Um, yeah. There's just things we can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's inappropriate to share publicly, but the Patreon platform gives us a podcast, kind of like a living room. Mm-hmm. You know, and we can just uh, we can just speak plainly. Yeah. Yes, we can. Yeah. So if that, if that interests you, uh, or if you just want to support, we've got some people on there that I don't think listen to any of the podcasts, nope. but they're like, uh, I've got an, uh, extra money in my budget and I want to support the work you guys are doing. Yep. Um, feel free. That's patreon.com slash gravity leadership. Yeah. Uh, the other thing before we get to AJ Cheryl, we got an interview today with AJ Cheryl. Who's there gonna is talk. an actual interview today. Yeah, there is. Um, and we're going to talk with him about the Enneagram um, and about um, his, he, he does a lot of work with the Enneagram. He wrote about it and he uh, does a lot of work with spiritual practices in the Enneagram. Um, and uh, the reason we're doing this as a series is that we uh, also work with the Enneagram. Uh, and so I uh, just want to commend our Enneagram workshops to you. Um, gravityleadership.com slash Enneagram if you're interested in those. But uh, Matt's raising his hand. I have yes, a question. Yes, Matt. Are they any good? They're great. <laughs> they are really good. Okay. Um, they're really good. They're a lot of fun. Uh, you actually end up designing a, a transformation experiment um, mm. over the course of uh, about five hours yeah. uh, in this workshop, and they're, they're tons of fun. It's one of the, it's, I come away from them just realizing it's one of the most fun things that I do right now uh, yeah. in, in my work. And so, so they're, yeah. 
uh, it's really fun to see uh, light bulbs come on for people and uh, to kind of send them away with something practical um, to further their spiritual formation. So we're doing um, we're doing some. We've got some scheduled. We're going to be in Indianapolis in January. We're going to be in uh, Michigan, Holland, Michigan in, um, what is it, March. We're going to be in Kalamazoo, Michigan in April. We're all over Michigan yeah. uh, this year. Uh, and we've got a number of other ones uh, in the works that I probably shouldn't announce just in case uh, it doesn't end up working out, but um, all over the country, just uh, talking with people. Uh, but if you would like to bring us out, uh, that's kind of how we end up in places is we have a, somebody who's a sponsor um, just say, hey, I'd like to bring you out. And so if you're interested in that, uh, do go to gravityleadership.com slash Enneagram, fill out the form, and uh, that goes right to my email address. I'll, I'll get in touch with you and we can talk about it. Yeah. And the Patreon uh, if you want to register or see that, it's patreon.com backslash gravity leadership. Yep. P A T R E O N. Yes, patreon.com. C O M. Yep. Uh, all right. Should we just get into it? Uh, yeah, I think that's all we need to announce. Uh, here's our interview with AJ Sherrill. He was delightful. Welcome, folks, to another uh, episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Uh, it's nice to be with you. We're in the middle of this series on the Enneagram, and today we've got our friend AJ Sherrill uh, in from Grand Rapids. Is that, where you, is that no. where you live? Yes, I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan, mm-hmm. for the last three years now. Yeah, great. So we're going to have a chat today about uh, some Enneagram stuff, but um, AJ, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit to our audience? Um, what What are you doing in Grand Rapids? Um what are, you, what are you getting up to? All that kind of thing. Yeah. So three years ago, I moved here to pastor a local church called Mars Hill Bible Church. And uh, before then, I was uh, doing a parish model uh, church thing in New York City mm-hmm. with uh, a little group called Trinity Grace. Mm-hmm. And um, about three years ago, we just felt a, a nudge in our hearts to uh, to move somewhere that might accommodate the life of a child better than mm. uh, Manhattan, which you can do it, but we had birthed uh, a little baby girl and um, just had a, a sort of different view for what we wanted for her life. And mm-hmm. here we are. And it's been a, a really great ride so far. Awesome. Can I ask you a great. question about that? Yeah. So obviously moving from Manhattan to Grand Rapids, you understand, you know, cognitively, there's going to be a big shift. It's going to be a lot Cult- different. Like culturally. Right. Yeah. Culturally and just sociologically. What has surprised you? about life or ministry that you did not anticipate? Mm. The biggest surprise uh, that I felt very quickly was, in a sense, now, um, it's hard to speak. You have to use generalities, but and so they break down. But if I had to speak generally, Manhattan has been one of the easiest places I've ever had to preach, simply because huh. the idols and the gospel are so much more homogeneous there's just more homogeneity hmm. in the city than there are in a regional church. People uh, are sort of coming up against the same yeah. sort of idols and the same allures, the same things that are uh, poking at our souls in the city. And so there's some of that that feels, if you can sort of figure out how to minister and um, inhabit good news in a city, it can feel a little simpler. Um, Interesting. That's at so, least been my personal experience. That's so in the suburbs. Yeah, the regional church feels a little bit more complicated in terms of what people are sort of into. Yeah. 
And so this may completely be unhelpful because we're, you know, you're speaking in generalities. But you have mm-hmm. New York City, which is one of the most diverse economically, ethnically, religiously mm-hmm. places in the world. And you have Grand Rapids, which is stereotypically kind of like, you know, white. It's Western Michigan, so everybody, right? Everybody, it comes out of the womb being a reformed Christian, and like, mm-hmm. and so there. It, but you're saying like it's simpler. The idols are more homo. Mm. There's more homogeneity among the idols and a really diverse population. And there's much more complexity in a much less diverse population. Somewhat, I think. I think I would. I would couch that by saying, I was in a particular part of Manhattan where it was multicultural, mm-hmm. but um, I'm sorry, it was it was multi-ethnic but monocultural, mm. uh, simply because of economics, um, right. and because of what it required for a sort of background and education and experience. Got it. Uh, it creates sort of a yeah. monocultural feel, right? Everyone's in yeah. the same coffee shop, the same sushi joint, the same vegan restaurant. Some yeah. of that just is the nature of what's happening in cities with the, how uh, just they're catering to a certain economics and background. Right. Man, that'd be an interesting podcast. Not this one, though. But not this one. We're, We're going to talk about something else. Yeah, but. the Enneagram. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Why are we talking to AJ about the Enneagram? Well... AJ, why are we talking to you about the Enneagram? Can you give our listeners a little bit of your story uh, with the Enneagram? Um, yeah, so about, uh, I don't know, six years ago, I ended up uh, spending a week with uh, Father Richard Rohr out in Albuquerque, oh, yeah. New Mexico. Um, it was part of a doctorate program uh, that I was uh, working on. And um, probably in the middle of the class, it was a week-long thing with just a couple of us. Uh, my friend Mark Skindret and I were there and he just started going off on this thing called the Enneagram and mm. I'm like, what, what, what are you talking <laughs> Pentagram? What are, what are we getting in? Right. What, what? What's happening here? And uh, so he just, we veered him off course for about half a day. And then I came home and just started reading a lot about it. And what happened to me is I, it became an access point mm. into naming uh, what someone called the shadow side or mm. things that are deep in our subconscious, or even let's just, like historic sin. It became yeah. for me a theory that talked about my brokenness and fragility and the ways I show up in the world that are yeah. unhelpful. Yeah. Most behavioral theories are pretty celebratory about the human experience. And this motivational theory um, really gave me access to talk about things that I'd prefer just leave alone or never name. Mm. And so what came out for me quickly was like, Oh my goodness, this is like a really great access point yeah. to name things that are broken and to then use it as a tool for discipleship, not as an end to know your number, but right. as a means to move beyond that into what health could look like. Yeah, that's really good. So a couple of things I noticed you say, I'd love for you to unpack a little bit. You said there's behavioral theories, uh, but you called this a motivational theory. Uh, can you say more about what you mean by that? Yeah, so imagine the glacier, right? Mm-hmm. That sort of cliche example that that um, image that we see yeah. most motive, most behavioral theories, um, test on what's above the surface of the water Yeah, and motive motives theories are things that are underneath that you won't know. For example, um, two people can manifest behaviors the same way, but be driven by completely different motives. Mm-hmm. And so the Enneagram is a thing that gets underneath the thing that gets underneath the thing. Yeah. And those are the things that we often leave unnamed. Mm. And so um, that's why it's not easy to test for the Enneagram because it's a motives theory. And so like one of the things Father Rohr said to me is that you typically figure out your type, your number 
um, based on the one that brings you um, the most amount of humiliation. Yep. <laughs> so it's like, hey, have fun with that. Isn't yeah. that a fun theory? Let's yeah. all get excited. Yeah, you, you have to be in a certain place sort of spiritually and in terms of self-awareness to even want what the Enneagram has to offer, right? It's, it's not like, I feel like Myers-Briggs is a little bit like, that can be like a fun parlor trick where you're like, this is cool. Look at, look at how I am, you know, uh, look at, look, look at my preferences, you know, look at, look at what I'm doing here. But you're saying like for this, for this, because this is a motivational theory, there has to be some level, right, of, of self-awareness about like why I'm doing what I'm doing. I have to know a little bit about my own soul before yeah. this is going to be helpful for me. Yeah. I, David Brooks uses a phrase in his book, Road to Character, that's just always haunted me. And he, he uses the phrase, honest self-confrontation. Mm. And that's always been an invitation for me to think about confronting that which I'd prefer stay and remain unnamed. Yeah. And so I, I'm really big on Myers-Briggs, actually. I, I feel like um, a lot of people are sort of pitting theories against each other. I think right. we need them all. Sure. I think the Enneagram has just helped me um, in the church with like naming discipleship, like mm. where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. And also it's been helpful in the public square because it's so stinking popular right now for really good is. and for all sorts of reasons. Yeah. Um, but after, after uh, a couple of years after that, I studied with Suzanne Stabile, okay. uh, who wrote The Road Back to You with Ian Cron. Mm-hmm. And I remember coming up to her after her first session and I just said, hey, listen, um, I'm, I'm about to start my dissertation. Has anyone done... Um, like spiritual practice work on this. Hmm. And she said, not to my knowledge, Riso and Hudson had done some work on the spirituality of the Enneagram, which is a, or the wisdom of the Enneagram, which is a wonderful book. But other than that, at the time, I couldn't find anything. Hmm. Uh, Adele Calhoun and her husband and their friends just wrote one called Enneagram and Spiritual Rhythms, which is wonderful. But nothing at the time was available. And so that's what my dissertation work became centered on. Hmm. That's awesome, man. I I think the other thing I heard you say that I think has been really uh, helpful uh, already for me (laughs) in this interview is I think one of the one of the things like the Enneagram's almost popular enough now that like it's getting ragged on a little bit, right? Where people are like, is this like Christian astrology? Like what's going on here? And I love the way you talked about it, that it's not an end point in and of itself Mm -hmm. um, in that like it's not new content for us to learn, that's like, oh, here's a cool new thing, and who knows where it came from, but it's it's this new thing, and when when you learn it, like you'll you'll be awesomer. But you talked about it as a portal. You talked about it as a, as like a, a um, I don't think you said this, but I was thinking about lens, like an access point, an access point. That's what you said, um, right? An access point into something else, into something maybe that you knew was already there, um, or didn't. Or didn't, right? But it's not new content. It's basically a new access point into some of these things that we already want to be about as Christians. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like, there's four uh, agreements that, so I do workshops all over the world on it right now. It's, it's amazing to see how many people are interested in this. Mm. And I particularly love doing it for the church. Yeah. I feel like that's one of my unique sort of features of this is, is I'm, that I'm, more pastorally driven around mm. the Enneagram than like anything else. And so like, for mm. example, one of the things that I always caution people against is like, number one, never become that Enneagram church. <laughs> it's just a theory. Yeah. Like when you begin to use it as the insider language by which we mm. now self-understand who we are as the Ecclesia, yeah. I think you can get yourself in like really big sort of insider outsider yes. um, exclusivist yes. language. And the second thing that I'm always trying to tell people is um, never reduce yourself to your type. Mm. 
Hmm. Uh, in other words, that your number, your your personality is a strategy. It's not an identity. Hmm. So a lot of people walk around like, oh, I'm such a seven. Y- yeah, in some sense, but you're a beloved child of God first and foremost. And I think it's yeah. easy to forget that, yep. yeah. that all this is, is a tool to understand your strategies to cope and thrive. Yeah, we so talk, your personality yeah. is not your identity. Yeah, yeah exactly. Really you know, we talk about it as your hustle. Like everybody's hustling yeah. for the thing that they already have in Jesus. And, and knowing, right. if you know your strategy, you're, I mean, you're the one who's most mm-hmm. delusional about your strategy, usually. <laughs> right. And everybody else is actually really dialed in yeah. to your That's hustle more, no. more than you. So if you can <laughs> become acquainted with it, you know, I think, yeah. um, oh, Robert Downey Jr. calls it hugging your cactus, you know, but um, Teresa Avila calls it sitting in your weeds. And what they mean is just becoming so familiar with your BS. Mm-hmm. That you not you don't reject it, you don't get to work and try and clean it up. You just embrace it, accept it. But what you're saying is really important: not to over-identify with it to the point it becomes this badge or this emblem of who I am. Right. But you you become familiar with it so that you can see through it. Yes. So that you're not in bondage to it. Yeah. Yeah, but I I would also add that you just did something unique in human history. No one has ever said Robert Downey Jr. and Teresa of Avila in the same <laughs> scene. All right, end of it. End of it. Let's wrap this wonderful. up. That's been another Gravity Leadership Amen. Podcast. <laughs> Pass the offerings, please. You know, just uh, the, the spiritual giants of our age. I totally agree um, with what you were saying after the... Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. <laughs> another thing that I think is interesting and helpful is that we always resist typing others. That's their journey to yeah, make. Good. Yeah, good. Yeah. Really um, Suzanne Stabile once said, and I think she's so right on this, that just because you know the Enneagram doesn't mean you know the person standing right in front of you. And that's where like the motives things come in is that you don't have access to their heart, to their right. mind, to their right. soul. Yeah. So you don't like if you're invited into that journey, wonderful. But right. imposing that on others is is really suffocating. And the last is that this thing is a means, it's not an end. Mm. When the goal is to simply self-discover and then sit around and use it as a party trick where you all can talk about your foreness or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that that just feels like that's what I think is getting a lot of the flack right now. Right. It's less on the sort of mysticism. Like we came through that sort of lens of like, what is this? This is weird. I right. think it's now becoming so normal that we're utilizing it to sort of put people into corners or to yeah. use it as an end. Yeah, it's like this postmodern hipster gnosis. Yes. Mm. You know, and it's it's mm. almost it's not it can be obnoxious, especially. I mean, it took me like four years to figure out kind of where I was in the Enneagram. Mm. And I, I was actually really anti-Enneagram for a long time because I felt like everybody's experiencing this, you know, special notice. Self-awareness right. and all this. And I, yeah. I can't. Yeah, yeah and it was, uh, it really yeah. ticked me off. Yeah. It's the arrow press <laughs> of personality theory. Oh, I have one of those. It's what the all birds yeah. of personality yeah. tests. Yeah, yeah there, with, there's lots of examples. Yes. So um, I'm reminded as you're uh, talking, AJ, um, I can't remember where I saw this, but um, I wrote it down, that the three elements of spiritual practice, and this is kind of a general spiritual practice, are becoming present and aware throughout the day. So that's kind of something that we can do, just become present to like what's happening, what's happening in us and, and you know, like in our emotions and feelings and desires. Uh, and then the second thing is seeing your personality in action. So I think that's what you're talking about, like your your strategy, like observing it, like, oh, I'm... Interesting. I feel really compelled right now to make sure this other person understands what I mean, even though maybe the conversation's done, right? And so noticing that, like, I wonder why I want so much to be understood by this other person or why I want to be seen in a certain light by them. 
And then the third, the third element was not acting on your impulses, sort of like noticing that and then not doing it. And that was like the kind of the beginning into into the, in their view, like what Who a spiritual that? Who practice. Said this? I I can't remember. It was in the Any a Thought email, so it's probably Riso and oh, Hudson. Oh, I see. Okay, uh, talked I was about this. So. Guess it was Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> I have a question though. Then too, like, how do you like? Then how do you tie? How did you go then to like? mine out the rich Christian tradition of practices and marry mm. them to these strategies or motivations found in the Enneagram. Tell me about how you, the methodology or, or the journey of doing that. Yeah, there were kind of a few things that had been uh, these uh, these confluential streams that had been flowing out of our church in New York, where I had been on a pretty deep dive to understand the contemplative, the charismatic, and the sacramental tradition. Come on. And so, uh, and to sort of see these streams fusing together into one large river to the heart of God. And we were as a church in Chelsea at the time at Trinity Grace, trying to, trying to, trying to do these things together, Mm -hmm. trying to marry these diverse ways together. Hmm. And um, so a lot of it was uh, all the dovetailing that began happening with how the Enneagram actually like could be a part of that journey. And so I started doing a lot of research and surveys and things like that that you would do for a dissertation. Mm -hmm. And I created what was called upstream and downstream practices for Mm. each type. So for example, um, and this came through like survey and a bunch of data that we had mined Um, upstream. I would say like what, or or imagine you're on a lazy river. The downstream practices are ones that come really natural to each type. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, So like for a three, for example, anything cataphatic or sensory or like, um, data acquisition, same with a five. Um, mm. Things like that come natural for different reasons for the three and the five, right. like Bible study, BSF, mm-hmm. um, spiritual reading, all that stuff, church history. Um, but then there's what's called upstream practices, which are things that you're going to have to work at w- to actually grow. And so mm. how do you, yes, how do we affirm your downstream practices? But what happens in the life of a disciple is that we typically circle what we're good at and we mm. sort of omit the rest, which is, I think, what Dallas Willard was kind of getting into in The Great Omission, that we all have sort of different omissions. Mm. Because for some person, social justice activism is really easy. And another person, contemplative spirituality comes super simple. And mm. for others, a kind of hospitality or whatever your practices might right. be. Yep. There are downstream practices that we want to affirm in you. For a three, for example, an upstream practice is going to be accountability, like having a person to actually like sit with you to talk through all of the ways you're trying to strategize Mm. and manipulate your way to the top Mm -hmm. in ways that there are certain people that have access to your game and Mm. know, Hey, listen, that's, that's not, that's really phony. And that's not like who you are really underneath and what your real desires are. So, um, I, I, like a lot of my workshops are designed to help people create a rule of life with different practices from the great Christian tradition. Um, so Foster's been really helpful for that. Adele Calhoun has been helpful for that. Dallas Willard. Mm. Those three sources are my biggest to say. If you're looking for like a a, a library of yeah. different ways to pursue the heart of God and others, yeah. um, that they are the three that I think best encapsulate a wide vision of that. Yeah. 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 That That's really good. I, it's almost like, and this gets back to the Enneagram being a access point. Because in one sense, you could read Celebration of Discipline, and you're like, oh, how many chapters are there? Like 20? There's like 20 disciplines totally. in there. And you're just like, 
should I do one per day or, yes. you know, like there's this right. overwhelming, like, and so the Enneagram can function almost as a curation tool to say, what do I, like, what's wisdom for me right now? What do I need in terms of upstream, downstream? I like those terms. And I like that phrase right now because it gives you freedom to know, hey, listen, in six months, yeah, your formation might actually demand something different. Mm. And that's okay. Like that's a beautiful part of the seasons of the soul. Yeah. Um, not that we should just be creatures of contrast and going with whatever feels great all the time, but it is something to say, it is good to, to, to freshen things up and to seek contrast in times of our spiritual journey for sure. Yeah. yeah. Can you yeah. share a little bit about <clears throat> what that's looked like for you, AJ? Mm. Like what your Enneagram number is and how the downstream and upstream practices work yeah. their way into your life? Hmm. Yeah. So I am a three, four wing. Um, and my four wings pretty heavy. Like my wife would say, she's pretty sure I'm a four, three wing. Um, I mean, if, if she was going to do that thing shuffle. where she types you, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 I've given her permission though. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. No. I, I, she'll put shuffle on like when we're on a road trip or something and she'll just be like, your iTunes playlist is so depressing. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how you live with me. Yeah, that's It's funny. like Elliot Smith all day long. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's God's playlist right there is what that is. That's, that's right, man. Get in touch with your, your feelings. <laughs> now, I'm like, either way, I'm I'm really thick into the feeling triad. That's mm, my like, mm-hmm. central center. Yeah. Um, and so for me, uh, if if I do, if I am a three, which I, I, I believe I am, um, I have to be really honest about um, not, trying to manipulate the way others perceive me. Mm-hmm. Like even when I do these workshop thingies sure. on my way, I'm thinking, Oh, I hope they like me. I hope they think <laughs> I'm competent. Right, you know, right, like when I read right. Henri Nouwen, I connect so much with his humility yeah. around, you know, I am what I have. I am what I do. I am what yeah. others yep. say about me. Yeah. Like that's really a struggle for me. So for me, it's, it's finding someone and all honestly, one of my spiritual practices is sharing my insecurities with my wife hmm. where I literally sit on a couch and say, I feel really incompetent or I feel, I feel really sad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's weird to say these things that I expect out of my five-year-old to say to me yeah. where I realize like there's this, a bit of an inner child in me that continues to need to hmm. process like rudimentary feeling hmm. where it just, I want to conceal it and act like I I got this. Present competency, present. Yes, present is a good word to say. Um, In terms of like, uh, so like having that sort of accountability and spiritual partnership with someone, um, with my wife and then with a male in my life that I can say, hey, listen, I I feel really small here or I feel like I'm becoming really prideful here. I'm just sensing a lot of this stuff. So for me, the other other side that I need is contemplative prayer. Hmm. So a lot of my previous work and writings were around um, what it means to to sit with God and to be. Uh, hmm. So we spent a lot of time talking at God early on and then talking to God and then listening to God. But then there's that fourth category of being with God. Mm-hmm. And so it's in that frame when I know I'm most healthy and I'm less triggered and less reactive in life when I begin my day with centering prayer. Um, so I've included that into my sort of morning ritual of quiet time and spiritual reading and prayer. Um, and I'm not healthy when I have gone several days without actually just not trying to produce as the yeah. first part of my day, yep. not mm. reaching for my phone, mm. not wondering about my emails, my calendar, what I want to tweet based on my quiet time I just had, which is so <laughs> phony and hilarious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
So yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, I'll, so that would be the biggest thing is contemplative spirituality is my upstream all the time. Yeah. And the accountability is that, would you consider that downstream or upstream for you? That's upstream for me Okay, because it's, um, it, 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 I don't want to, I'd prefer omit that to be sure. honest about that's really hard, yeah. but to be aware of that, first of all, requires the centering prayer for me where I get access into mm. sort of my inner life. Yeah, so the, the downstream for me would be things like Bible study. Mm. I read, like I drink water. So mm. it's just like, I love to read books. Mm. So that comes really natural for me, but yeah. for very different reasons than it would my wife, who's a five. Mm -hmm. For me, it's because I want to impress you. <laughs> like, I, I want to stand up on a stage on Sunday right, and be like, check right. that out. I yep. bet you never heard that before. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Bet you never heard Robert Downey Jr. And <laughs> he's already said he hasn't. <laughs> Teresa I'm, yeah. I'm putting a little yeah, pin yeah. in that in my so head. So your, your three wing might be. My uh, three wing is uh, kind of. Going downstream right now. So. Ego tinglies is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So AJ, it's interesting that you mentioned this. Our, our listeners can't see, but I'm wearing my collar today, and I've worn. I've been an Anglican priest for four years. Mm, something like that. Four years. I've worn my collar maybe four times. And that's and, always at like other people's ordinations. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm wearing my collar today, doing an upstream discipline. Um, that I discerned in our community through our discipleship practices. And the reason being is I realized that I like to manage the story other people tell about me. And when I wear a collar, I can't do it. And, um, you know, if I wear a black shirt, like you're wearing a nice fashionable black shirt, there aren't many triggers for black shirts for people. You know, there's no, they may say, oh gosh, that's a, you know, that's a, you know, Tommy. I don't like that brand. I don't like that maybe, brand. Maybe that guy's. But yeah, but uh, but for me, the collar. It's like I, I put a collar on it, and I release into the world stories that I can't control hmm. or argue with or manage, and it freaks me out. It freaks me out. You hmm. know, and I've got all these defenses, all these other stories to tell myself about why that's pastorally irresponsible and insensitive. Right, it's not missional. You right. shouldn't do it or whatever. Yeah. Right, but honestly, it came down to this: me consenting to release. Release control over what mm -hmm. people have to say about me and think about me, mm. and it, yeah, it's definitely an upstream practice for me yeah. today. Yeah, but it's it happening. relates to what you just said. So I feel. Did you, you read the Atlantic cover this week? Oh gosh, do I need to? I I have uh, I I have it saved. I haven't read it yet. What is it? It's, should we it, abolish it was the priesthood? A call to basically um, rid ourselves of clerical priesthood in yeah. the Catholic Church. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That, that, that is the problem, right? Is cleric, right. yeah. And so, to wear that collar, I'm sure most people don't make even that differentiation between an Anglican and a Catholic. I mean, no, they no, wouldn't know the difference. I, I see them as brothers and sisters, of ours, yeah. But most people would probably just, especially if they read that article, right? You know, They'd be like, oh, there's one of those, manage that conversation in them. I know yeah. what you're all about. But I say this is an Anglican priest who's got kind of a neo Anabaptist, uh, kind of middle finger to the Christendom streak in him. Mm -hmm. Like, I yeah. get why he's saying that. Like as an Anglican priest, oh, I totally. can affirm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know his thesis, but I could, I could restate it back to him as an article mm -hmm. I would write. Mm -hmm. At the same time, like the the acrimony and animus that he has towards the clergy, like I don't want to be a part of that, mm -hmm. right? I'm I not one of those priests. I don't, don't want to be one of those priests, yeah. right? So even, uh, I mean, that's that's the headline of the world. I feel like I'm going out into when I wear a collar. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Super interesting. Yeah. What about for you, Ben? What would be upstream practices for you as an Enneagram so, one, right? I'm an Enneagram one. I, I was thinking about this. Like maybe I we like, can ask our expert AJ. Maybe, maybe he could help me. <laughs> maybe well, let's do a little bit of that. Let me tell you a couple things, AJ, and then uh, you can give me some coaching. Uh, 
maybe. I, I, I don't want to put you on the spot. <laughs> but um, I, uh, so yeah, so I'm Enneagram One. I, I like depressing music too. So I don't know what that says about me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I do, I do like, uh, I do like the, the deep kind of depressing music. I'm always listening to the national at, at, at my house and nobody else in my house really likes it. They're all like, they're like, I can't understand what he's saying. His voice is too low. You have to have like a 16 ounce of Chardonnay buzz to really get the national. Yeah. You know? That's pretty much, I think how he gets that. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, for me, as an Enneagram One, which is, you know, the uh, Roar talks about the need to be perfect. I don't resonate with perfection as much as I resonate with reform, reformation. I make, I like, my compulsion is to make things better, uh, to improve. Um, and that oftentimes comes out as criticism and judgment. So, um, so for me, I think downstream practices are... Um, Truth-telling. <laughs> tr- right. Um perfecting things, <laughs> making things better. Um, yeah, some downstream practice. I also love reading. Um, I've always been a very voracious reader. And I, I, I realized, like, the reason I'm reading is to gather, like, all the things I need to kind of be an improver of the world, you know, uh, that kind of thing. Um, but a couple things, like, it feels like in your language, AJA, an upstream practice for me is going to bed on time, like getting enough sleep, um, I feel like I don't, I don't like sleeping because I, I'm not producing anything. So there's a, there's a production thing in me as well. So getting enough sleep is one of those. Um, I also need to start my day in kind of contemplation, that kind of thing. One of the things I notice about my prayer life is that, uh, the easy stuff, I wanted to ask you about this as well, but the easy stuff for me is anything where there's scripted prayer. And I, I go through like morning prayer and I'm, I'm doing the prayers, right? So I'm reading these prayers. But the hard stuff for me is when I get to this part of my morning prayer time where it's time for contemplation. And that's like when I don't do anything. Um, and that's when I feel a little itchy, you know, a little, little agitated, like especially if I got going a little late and there's lots to do today and that kind of thing. And so, I'm, so, so it feels like the, the contemplation part is, is upstream. Going to bed on time is upstream. Those are a couple things. Here's one more. Mm-hmm. You've you've borne witness to serving your wife with concrete acts of service as yes. an upstream yes. discipline. Yeah. Right. So making her breakfast. Right. Making making her yeah making her breakfast and that's there's a longer story behind that but yeah. there's but yeah that's that's an upstream practice for me to take time to connect with the people in my life uh, just for connection's sake. You know? Yeah. We're not like doing something awesome together or. You know, that kind of thing. So, so what's what's he missing? What what upstream yeah. practices can Ben integrate into you're trying, his life? You're trying to get me. Uh, well, I mean, trying well, to get me better. Something writing on this. We're <laughs> ministry partners, so I would say it sounds like you have a production orientation toward yeah. life. Yeah, I probably kind of a, a future orientation of how, what things could be mm-hmm. and how the present sort of collapses in into that. That's true. Um, one of my uh, one of my closest friends is a very gifted uh, neuropsychologist. He said that like getting back to your productivity and your sleep. Yeah. He would say that you need at least 8.2 hours a night for optimal brain coherence. Mm. So like the best thing you could do for your productivity yeah. is to not sort of crush it late into the evening, mm. but to go to bed because right. That's enough time two for hours of coherence is better than six <laughs> hours of like yes. just trying to get through yes, it. Yes, yes. Uh, that's a, so that's a anyways, he's I really, I mean, even things like how your brain shrinks to to drain toxins when yeah, you sleep. Yeah. It's insane. It is insane. It is happening with- White matter and gray matter and all that stuff. Yeah. I recently listened to a podcast about that, and that's, it is kind of blowing my mind. 
But it, it's interesting, though. It's, it's almost like it gets you out of the space. I used to do my spiritual practices as like a one. <laughs> so I was going to fix my brokenness, right? By like doing this stuff to, uh, to myself. To make, make yourself sense? better. Yeah, to make myself better or to impress God, you know, that, that kind of a thing. Um, and so I like what you're saying, though, because it's, it's almost like there's an affirmation of my, like me wanting to produce is not like evil, right? That's part of my calling as a human, producing, you know, good things. Um, but in order to produce like in the way that I've been designed to produce, mm-hmm. I also need to not produce. I have to submit to the way I've been created, needing 8.2 hours of sleep. Yeah, I'll... Uh... I'll, I'll read you a couple things from um, Enneagram in the Way of Jesus, okay. uh, which was what my research was from. Before I do that, did you ever read um, the book Daily Rituals? I think is what it's called. Who who wrote it? I don't remember. I read it a while back. Okay. Essentially, it takes like artists and poets and thinkers, oh. and it talks about like it'll take Freud or it'll take um, you know a bunch of literary writers that you'd have heard of or mm. even famous painters. And we have this understanding that they probably never slept. They were up as like the mad scientist at 3 a.m. Right, right. And it was amazing to me. One of the most common things that they shared was that they actually rested pretty well mm. and that they got up and did most of their like work early. And that by noon, they were taking walks with their family, wow. like through the park. Yeah. And it was it, not for everybody, right. but it sort of dismantled that stereotype that we have of like these people that are geniuses that they're right. up at three in the morning working you know, 80 drinking hours a week wine and ju- yeah, yeah totally drunk yeah and yeah, there's right. just such a they actually like committed themselves knowing that they could probably produce about two to three hours a day at optimal level hmm. and then making sure that they had like all this downtime where the free thought and creativity actually begins to flow once again hmm. and you recharge and then are ready for the next day but um so from uh f- for the type one for example um, what I recommend. So if your vice is anger, your virtue is serenity. Mm-hmm. I recommend nature walks. And here's why for the one, because <laughs> what it does is it recenters you into a place where it can remove judgment and critique mm. over yourself. And it rebaptizes you into a universe that is yeah, like quite good. intricate. And to do that in a way where you're not, um, not everything becomes self-referential. For example, it's mm. not like when you're hiking, you don't need to look at a tree and say, I don't like that branch or I don't like that flower or right. I really like that bush. It's right. enough that that <laughs> is true. what it is yeah. and that you're a part yeah. of creation right. with it and you can just be there. You yeah. don't have to fix anything. Yeah. Dude, that, that's fascinating. Like I've never thought about that. Like there's nothing like critiquing nature would just be dumb, right? Like nobody does that. <laughs> but nobody if anybody, critiques if nature. anybody can Unless figure out how so. to do it. Unless it's cut so. <laughs> right, right. Where is this? Why did this? Yeah, or mosquitoes? Yeah. Um, no, that's that's really good. You know I, what I'm you know what I'm noticing? Just real what's quick. That? Yeah. You have also testified recently to mm-hmm. feeling God's invitation and your response to taking your dog for a walk. Yes. Without uh, your headphones in. Yep. With no headphones, no podcasts, and no like work being done, just enjoying you and your dog and your neighborhood. Yes. This yeah. is this is God. This is deep crying out to deep. <laughs> <laughs> to get your butt I'm doing it, man. upstream. Get your butt upstream, man. No, I'm doing it. All right. Every time and I, every time my wife asks me after dinner if you want to go for a walk with the dog, my discipline is, yes, I do. And my phone stays at home. So it's and, and it has been really helpful for me, really re- renewing. Yeah. So, yeah. 
So the anyway. downstream, I would say okay. that's helpful. I find with ones is, um, and this is probably old hat to you, but it's just a simple task of journaling. Oh but, yeah. But the why underneath that is mm-hmm. not because, Hey, your thoughts are great. Although I'm sure they are <laughs> knowing you, you're really thoughtful, right. but, um, what's underneath that is that you can differentiate yourself from yes. things that aren't working yes. so that it doesn't get jumbled up in your subconscious as like just sort of like big massive life not working right oh, you can get it out that's so true so it's a differentiation and at the same time i always tell ones like it's such a heavy burden that ones carry for the world it's beautiful but it's heavy mm. and so journal about things working in your life as well not just mm. what's not working fours and ones have a tendency to just like write on stuff that's broken and messed up and like <laughs> so fixing true. so true and like you need both sides of yeah, that yeah yeah Dude, that's so helpful. Um, I do journal pretty regularly, and it's just so helpful for you to name that there's a differentiation that's happening when I'm journaling, is I'm able to see my thoughts and go, oh, yeah. okay, well, there they are. And that doesn't seem true. You know, like, and that's not me, and, and I, can, totally. I, can, I can be sad about this, or I can be frustrated about this, and then just move on with my day. Like, that's, that's, that's super interesting. Yeah. Um, AJ, I'd love. We're about at time here, but I'd love to have you back, maybe to do this kind of thing. Would you? Would you do this kind of thing with each number? Like, uh, I'm sure this has been really helpful for all the fours and the is ones. Is this what his book is about? But is this what your book is about? Maybe, maybe people yeah. should just get your book. <laughs> yeah, the first half is on typology. The second yeah, half yeah, is yeah. on helping people create a rule of life. And yeah. I do it. Awesome. Like, I I love to receive invitations to do it with people in churches all over the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's like where I get most joy is. Mm seeing people come alive and ask questions yeah, and totally. create for themselves. Like what I want people to know is they have agency and responsibility to create a kind of life mm. that they long to flourish within. Yeah. yeah that's so really that's good. not like, like my, my critique of the church is that we've batched formation to say, read your Bible, come to church, pray, give some money. And in 30 years, you'll be different. Most right. people don't <laughs> feel different. They just feel older, yeah. you know, as if there's like one way that I can pray or one yeah. way to read scripture or yeah. Right. There's right. so many ways to do these things right. that have to do with our personalities. Right. They have to and our and our desires and the way we inhabit those disciplines. Because there is a way of reading your Bible that does not transform you at all. Right. Sure. There's a That's way right. of doing these things. And so there you have to inhabit it in a certain posture. Yeah. I also what what I really want to make explicit what you're saying, AJ, is there's this tendency to hear uh, the Enneagram is a way that you sort of justify and rationalize who you are. And then if we're going to break the practices out into the Enneagram numbers, then you just cho- you, you take Christian spirituality as a buffet oh, and you, yeah. you make this bespoke pastiche sort of spirituality that's, that's extremely niche. And, you know, it's, it's like the <laughs> ultimate specialization of Christianity for, mm. for your number. I don't hear you saying that. No. And this is the strength of the Enneagram is that what it, the, the number gives you permission and freedom and, and opportunity, you said agency, to enter into the depths of your work so that you're not caged by that. Right. So that you're not always just reacting out of your own number and like trying to trying to get all these little needs met or just throwing sort of the Awana best practices at your life and hoping they stick. Yeah. So and I, that's why I think this metaphor of upstream and downstream is really helpful because we're always seeking to grow deeper, more mature in our, you know, in, in how God's created us, but not be in bondage to how God's created us. I mean, mm. our, our created sort of preferences. Yeah. Yeah. And remember you have, you have every type in you somewhere Yes, that you're not just a core and you also have stress and security areas that you go yeah. and you also have wings. So there's a lot of options. And we're also creatures of seasons where what I like to tell people when we go into the rule of life part 
is that, hey, some of you have heard stuff that doesn't apply to what your type is, mm. that the spirit has just been saying, hey, pay attention to that. Mm. Cling to that. Run with it. Do yeah. not feel in any way like right. pigeonholed. Well, I'm not a one, so I can't do a journal. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just yeah, silly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is. Well, yes. this is great, AJ. So Super helpful. Title of your book again? Uh, it's called Enneagram in the Way of Jesus. And we will put a link to that in our show notes. Yep. If someone is listening to this, uh, I'm listening to this, and is excited <laughs> about what you're talking about, I am also excited about... I'm, I'm you not, can identify, in other words. I'm not only a co-host, I'm a listener. Uh, AJ, how can they connect with you, social, social media, or where do they go to find you? Yeah, uh, if you're interested in the workshop coming near you, info at marshill.org. And then my name, AJ Sherrill, is uh, my Twitter. Um, yeah. And then AJ underscore Sherrill is my Instagram. Yeah, okay. <laughs> two R's, two L's. Two R's, two L's. We'll All put right. that in the show notes as well. This has Sounds been fantastic, good. AJ. Yeah. Thanks yeah. so much for the service to the church this is, and uh, God bless your pastoring in Mars Hill and mm-hmm. translocally as you lead these workshops. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Grace and peace. Peace. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you enjoy learning from this podcast, please be sure to show your support by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes. Be sure to share with your friends on social media too. And we would love to hear from you. So please email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. You can join our online community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.